Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. Good afternoon and good evening. Um, I am Bradley Norton, not Phyllis Novak. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, for those of you following on last week, um, I was going out for auditions for a play and I got the part. So I'm a romantic lead in a romantic comedy, so that's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, the show's just pretty much downhill from here on, so I might as well introduce Dave. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Oh, by the way, it's the Cotton Clip, the podcast. Did I say that? Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's it then. I was going to be, um, you know, I was going to pretend that you were the guy with the long nose and I was going to give you hints on how to do the uh, affectionate parts, but, or is it the way? Cinaro de Bergerac, that one. Cyrano? Um, yeah. Cyrano? I, I, was, I was going to be the one hidden behind the tree feeding you the good lines, but I don't think I'll do that anymore. Keep your nose out of my business, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ian. Hello, Dave. <laughs> oh, dear. It's off to a bad start already, folks. It's all my own fault. All right. Let's see who else is joining us. Go to what? your gentle voice. We've got a nice guest next. Gentle voice. Give me a hint. Need a hint? You're you giving me warnings after, after uh, what was it, the no, week before last? You no, insulted no, the no. entire population of, of, of Hawaii? I'm giving you, you know, acting tips here. <laughs> you know what, Dave? Just for that, just for that, you're you're uh, pronouncing the uh, the episode title for the rest of the episode. <clears throat> anyway, I, without any further ado, I would like to introduce on audio, Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, Darth. No, please, more further ado. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> going to do. Yeah, rhyming couplets, please. Uh, Dio Darth. See, just practicing. Villa Diodati. Diodati. All right. Um, well, that's it for audio. Um, and um, really, we're just kind of looking for the official stamp of the show. And of course, Cybob is here. Hello, Cybob. Um, also, fellow thespian, from what I understand from Facebook, is there a Cybob? Dress up as all sorts of characters. But anyway. Is he colourless today, then? Is he colourless today? Is Cybob colourless today? I was get, I was. Would you let me do my job? I was just about to say until I was so rudely interrupted. Is the part he is playing for us today is Master of the Cone, 
and henceforth I will push this button and lower the cone of silence. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? What? And of course, yeah, that's uh, the official stamp. Um, what? 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 I was just going to say, I, I think we ought to welcome everybody to the last ever Cult of Collective. <laughs> it's all uphill nice from here, up. folks. <laughs> well, that's all. <awful>. Uh. <laughs> all right, what should I do next, Buff? <laughs> oh, right, you really want that? You want help? Well, uh, we can mention that we do have an apology. Unfortunately, Ken's still uh, not feeling up to the the stresses, the strains, the uh, the thrust, and the uh, the uh, the jibe, the uh, Easy. The, uh, the, the the wit. The uh, that's probably what it got him in the hospital in the first place: is thrusting and driving. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a bit too much like Romeo and Juliet for him. This, you know, he doesn't know which family to side with. But uh, yes. yeah, hopefully you'll join us at another time. Yes, definitely. All right, there's only one more person to introduce, and uh, that could only mean the coming of news. It's the Typing Monkey. Go, Typing go, Monkey, I, go. What, what, what? Oh, oh well done. Well, full mark, yes. sir. Full mark. Um, uh, for those who are interested, uh, personal news first. Uh, um, I got cast in a play. I don't know if I've told anybody. No, I'll tell you Excellent. all about it. Anyway, I, I'll, uh, hear, I, I actually, want to hear more. I want to hear more. I want to hear more. More, more. Awesome. More, awesome. More. They like me. They really like me. Uh, no, actually, uh, I, I came across it on finds. Um, since I moved into this house three years ago, I've got my own little den and I've been collecting bits and pieces and stuff. And I found locally a um, Picard clock. It stands about three feet high. It is a, it, well, I don't know if it was a, display model for a store that somebody cut around it and they put a plastic coating over it and turned it into a clock and it's got scenes from star trek the next generation on it and it's just the weirdest thing i've ever seen and it was five dollars and i bought it from somebody locally and i'm like you know it's in my office so it's uh yeah i'll have to put a picture on the cult of facebook page later uh yeah eat my Dirt, Carl. <laughs> you, and your, you, and your Voyager, you and your Voyager book. I've got a Picard clock. Yeah, perhaps it was owned by that very famous person, Earl Grey. It, yes, must have been from the Earl Grey collection. It's very hot right now. <laughs> yeah, keep staring. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. <laughs> what else have we got for news, David? Uh, well, sort of fan news and personal news, you know, the world can sometimes be good to you when you least expect it. Um, I was doing a favour for brother-in-law uh, because he, he doesn't like going on Amazon and he doesn't like having his uh, bank details online. So uh, because my grandson will be uh, two, would you believe it, uh, uh, next month, Ian? <laughs> still owe him a birth, uh, uh, I still owe him a birthday present. <laughs> Yeah, so um, 
So he said, well, if you if you order it online, you know, tell me how much it is and I'll give you the money because he, he doesn't like, uh, you know, putting his bank details online or anything. So I did that and I did it and I'm sure I've dodged this bullet about three times, but I ended up coming off with one month's uh, um, Amazon Prime free, free, uh, what's it? Today, that was today. So uh, wow. I thought, well, I, I, I checked and I've got up until the three days to the end of the month to cancel it if I want. Uh, right. Now it's in pounds, this. It's um, just under eight pounds here, which so nowadays with the exchange rate, that's probably not much more than ten and a half dollars, maybe eleven dollars. But if you pay for a whole year, it's I think it was seventy nine dollars eight. So that's about one hundred and five pounds for the year. So you basically get uh, twelve months for the price of ten. So I might see right. if I do that. And the the sci fi news about that is that in the UK, uh, Star Trek Picard is shown on Amazon Prime. It's not shown on Netflix. That's the thing. Uh, so um, uh, I've already started catching up. I watched two episodes in. The only mm -hmm. thing I'll say about it, it's not a spoiler, I don't think, but I have heard people criticising that it's a very slow build-up. But I didn't think so. I thought uh, quite a lot. Uh, well, for an old man like me, enough themes were introduced in the first and second episodes. Um, enough to keep me fully interested, fully involved, wanting more. Um, I, uh, and, and really, yes, I'm, I'm certainly going to work my way through that. And the other thing is, I just recently bought Game of Thrones uh, Season 8, and I was going to buy all Seasons 1 to 7 in a box set. It just so happens that the box set of Game of Thrones is about the same price as one year with Amazon Prime. So I think oh, I'll forget the box set. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've we've had Amazon Prime for a while. Mainly, we get yeah. it. We've got it for not necessarily the content, although it has come in handy for things like um, Grand Tour, um, which was the Top Gear unofficial right. spinoff, um, and things like that. Like they have some good event stuff on there, and sometimes if I'm looking for a particular movie, uh, but we mainly use it for the shipping. Um, we get um, Prime you know, shipping, which means we get it in sometimes the next day for free. Wow. Uh, you know, or or it's two days. And it's like, and that's for, because of the area that we live in, we're kind of restricted to, you know, what things are accessible mm -hmm. without driving. And so when you figure it all out, it's a whole lot cheaper if you can get something delivered in two days than going out looking for it, you know, especially when you work and you've got kids at school. Exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 well worth it, and and you can actually my son, he is on it too because you can have a family attached to it. So Liam uses it, and uh, Megan's sister uses it. So yeah. But anyway, yeah. we're, so we're digressing, anyway, aren't we? Well, the the point is, I, I you know it sort of basically fell in my lap really. So uh, and now I know that. Because I was thinking I didn't want it. It's one of these things where the day you get it, you have to sort of cancel it the day you get it. It's, it's too much fussing for me that. But at least right. I know now. And it's got a countdown how many days left, so that's fine. Oh, that's and good. as we welcome a guest five in through the room. Um, and, um, yeah, so... High that, five. That, get it? High five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and no, the other thing good. is, I, I partly mentioned in that, of course, is that I have just watched the, um, the Blu-ray of... Uh, 
season eight of Game of Thrones. Again, no spoilers about the program, the the storyline or whatever. I will just say I'm glad I bought Blu-ray and not Ultra HD because so many of the scenes are set either uh, out in the winter scenes where it's almost a monochrome look. There's not much color. Right. Are uh, if they're inside, it's done a lot with candlelight, which again, if you've got a really expensive TV, can look. Uh, uh, fantastic because they'll do uh, you know specular highlights and the candles can look great but um, I will just say that episode three uh, very difficult to watch that uh, I'd change the uh, picture settings for that but um, it was worth it there's only six episodes and a lot of bonus material episode five uh, was an absolute triumph but I won't as I say I won't mention anything of the actual storyline but um, yeah I watched it in the uh, Two and a half days, so uh, it, you can tell oh, wow. I was it. Oh, speaking of watching uh, an entire series of something in one go, and I'd kind of forgotten about this, so thanks, Dave. Uh, Lock and Key on Netflix is a wonderful show. Um, I don't know anything about the, uh, like, where it came from. I um, believe it was from a graphic novel, but I could be wrong. I haven't done any research on this at all. I just heard it had been, it, and it, you know, I watched a bit on Netflix, and it's fantastic. It's about a family that uh, um, their dad gets uh, murdered, and uh, while the family's at home, and they end up going to uh, this uh, little seaside town where he grew up, and uh, and. Um, they inherit the old family house and uh yeah and the adventures start from there it's like it reminds me a bit like goonies kind of atmosphere but you know because that's you know seaside town uh etc i think if i'm not mistaken either co-written by or co-created or created by stephen king's son whose name escapes me but if you have a chance to watch lock and key do so it's I think it's rated uh, TV 14, which is probably about right. Um, can be a little scary for some of the younger kids, but also uh, there's a good amount of comedy and adventure and you know, minimal scary bits. But, you know, it's it is a fantastic show. So, yeah, if you've got that over there, Dave, I suggest you watch Lock and Key. Yeah, I, th I think I, saw, I spotted that on the uh, uh, on the. Uh because that's obviously I've had Netflix for a while the other thing is about I'm almost reluctant to to keep I mean it's not well I, most people can, we can't afford it because it's 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 what's the word they call it you know it's uh, uh, spending that's uh, you spend what you've got left over sort of thing discretional spending that's the word I was looking for yeah. uh, so but I don't think well I've also got Eurosport but uh, that only cost me 30 pound for the whole year uh which is what less than 40 dollars when i got it and right. but i only watch golf and tennis on that everything else goes by by the wayside so um did you before we go to darth because i think darth mentioned he did have some news did you want to mention any of that dot two news dot net news yes um yeah hot off the press this week it's not often that we're actually like yeah uh, you know this is came out Thursday, actually. Um, Build-A-Bear Workshop and BBC Studios have launched a Doctor Who range, launching a Doctor Who 
bear and accessories inspired by the TV series. Uh, the Doctor Who bear features branded blue paw pads uh, and a blue heart on its chest. Um, actually, it's a double heart, uh, I believe, on the on the chest, which is cool. I don't know if that's normal, but they do a double blue heart. Um, the Time Lord's look is completed with the iconic 13th Doctor or 10th Doctor outfits. Uh, so the 10th Doctor outfit's got the uh, the red converse, blue suit, red tie, uh, brown overcoat, and 3D specs. And, um, and of course, uh, the 13th is in her signature costume. Um, both of them, of course, have their own uh, sonic screwdrivers and come in a TARDIS box. Um, the new range is available in the UK and can be bought uh, exclusively online at uh, uh, BBC uh, at buildabear.co.uk and the on uh, will be launching online in the US later this month. Um, so from what I understand is when it is available in the US, uh, it's going to be a thing that you will order the outfit in the bear, I think. And then if you have the ability to go to a Build-A-Bear workshop, you can there then go in and make your bear dress it, etc. cetera. Um, but I don't know about store availability yet. Um, check out the Build-A-Bear website, buildabear.com in the US. And uh, yeah, I did some preliminary searches, but I don't think everything was properly set up yet as far as like purchasing the, the set, but it looks like it is a searchable item on their site. So look for that coming soon. I would both basically like both of them because, uh, yeah, I like the 13th Doctor one and my wife, I know, would love a David Tennant bear. Who wouldn't? All the David Tennant fangirls are just going to go nuts. They've got a, finally got a 10 huggable. <laughs> all right. And so, yeah, that's that's all I had on that. But, that yeah, um, I, I had no idea that Build-A-Bear was still kind of a thing forgive me my children are kind of out of that you know and i no longer live near a build-a-bear i used to you know my wife used to work down the street from one uh at the mall of america so you know um and i guess there's all sorts of there's really all, all sorts of themed bears and and stuff so yeah it's new to me forgive me rocks over here live under <laughs> I would imagine if they're successful, they'll, they'll uh, end up having companion bears, wouldn't they, as well, I would think. Right, because basically all it is at the end of the day is it's the same base bear for, for both doctors with, um, you know, the accessories. And so then you could just do, uh, like, headwear for... It would be really neat if they did, like, headwear being the, the hair, since some yeah. of the doctors hairs are quite iconic to them but all of them have had iconic costumes so i mean outfits so yeah i think if these sell really well then i think that we'll probably see an expansion to the line because i mean why not you know who wouldn't want to especially a tom i think i would say tom baker would probably be next in line if they're going to do another doctor probably do that and uh hey matt smith you know, because Matt's, you know, the the because you do a fez and a bow tie and the and the jacket and the boot, yeah, and the boots, that you know. Well, the eighth doctor, his uh, his his 
test the outfit he tested at conventions was where he wears right. a shoulder bag, wasn't it? Things like that. Yeah, that shoulder bag one with the with a with a kind of like a leather a shorter leather coat. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I love the idea. Of this it's you know it's great. It's just it's the stuff that we really didn't have as kids, and so the cool thing is now as adults that we have the money to we can buy for ourselves or buy for our kids and you know and our kids can have this and you know it's just neat because especially in new zealand there were no doctor who toys i don't think we had anything maybe apart from yeah i think the closest you got to anything in new zealand was probably doctor who target novels which is the toy um and sonic no 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 um we might have got some daleks you know like the early the um the louis mark daleks um daypole ones uh but even then like when i got my daypole set they i we got them from a mail order company um and you know we had somebody in the in new zealand who would order all the stuff in but yeah there was you might get something that was on a magazine that you could, you know, cut out and fold, <laughs> but that was about it. But so it's great now. It's like, I've got, I'm sitting here now. I've got a sonic screwdriver sitting next to me. I've got a David Tennant poster on the side here. I've got, I got all these toys. Stuff. I got this. Well, well you, you know, are the target I, audience, you know, I am. Grown up, I never I, grew, a grown up who never grew up, you know. No, no. <laughs> Oh, it's great. I, I was at, uh, we're digressing in news here, but yeah, uh, just bear with us, folks. It wasn't a very good episode of Doctor Who anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, so anyway, uh, I was at Ollie's, which, um, uh, for Dave's sake and those who don't live near an Ollie's in the US, it's a cheap, it's a, when stores get rid of a brand or a whole line of something, Ollie's buys it dirt cheap and then they sell it dirt cheap and you buy it. When Toys R Us went out of business, Ollie's bought all, all their toys. What I didn't realize that was even a toy was a Danger Mouse car that I got for Christmas. I actually kind of bought it for myself for Christmas, but don't tell my son because he's still undecided about Santa Claus. Um, so he thinks Santa bought it for me. Uh, but Santa also bought one for Louis Trapani as well, because Louis really likes Danger Mouse. So I bought him one and sent it to him for, for um, it's not Christmas. It's, uh, what did I call it? Um, uh, Procrastination-mas. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it these days. It's like, now I've got the money to buy these toys. And the, the cool thing about the, the Danger Mouse car, it was like, because it was clearanced out, probably because... I don't think the Netflix series really caught up, you know, here. Um, but yeah, I clearanced them out and I won. It was like $7 for that Danger Mouse. But yeah, there's all sorts of toys around here. I've got Thunderbirds toys finally. Couldn't get those for love, no money in New Zealand. I think the only time I ever saw a, a Terrahawks toy, excuse the dogs, was uh, a friend of my father's from Ireland moved over to New Zealand with his kids and they had Terrahawks toys. And I was just amazed. I was like, oh my God, it's talking. But yeah, so when we were in New Zealand, actually, they, because of, uh, they made the new Thunderbirds, 
DG puppet show. Um, they had all the toys there, and I was like, cool. So, yes, I have a Thunderbird too. Just <laughs> who would well, yeah, lovely trip down memory lane there. I mean, but it's yes. right. I mean, anyway. they're, they're these sort of things, I mean, it is a family show, uh, yeah. and uh. It, it's yeah i'm sure it'll do very well indeed any more news before we see what darth wanted to mention no i can't think of anything it's probably best yeah. i don't <laughs> <laughs> sorry for that uh, long wait darth i'm sure you were enjoying it just like i was indeed i was um nothing big but just to note that this weekend uh the clone wars came back onto uh disney oh, plus yes, um season seven after a well seven year absence really seven uh that's finally yes. come around uh your mileage may vary on this depending upon whether you got that last season on blu-ray where they kind of gave away a good deal of what's going to happen but i don't i as i recall been a long time since i've actually pulled out that blu-ray um i think they're starting with it like that season two the uh maybe. That last thing or maybe i anyway. no that is, that is true that's where it went on netflix um but i think they're starting with stuff that they've never released at all i think that's right i could be wrong i watched it and i it didn't seem familiar to me no i've never seen uh, that one but um you know, if you have seen that last season and you've seen the extra features on it, you're probably going to recognize that you are seeing storylines that were supposed to be a part of that. Um, well, that were always supposed to be a part of season seven. It's just that season seven was supposed to have aired quite a long time ago. Um, but anyway, it's good stuff. You know, obviously the animation quality is fantastic. Um, it looks a little... I don't know if it's really much better than the last season, even the last season was seven years ago. I could be wrong. I haven't done a, an actual comparison. It just doesn't seem like it's a major difference in terms of its animation quality, even though there have been a number of seasons that have um, inter uh, a number of years that have intervened. So there's that. I thought, um, I thought some of the long shot stuff that they did, the distance stuff, mm -hmm. and like when the when the uh the 99s were coming in that mm. that was i thought that was well done and it kind of like ooh, that was close to the camera even though it's it animation is. and it's like no but the, uh, there was some there were little bits and pieces that i thought looked really good but like you say i don't know if it's well, but then again i don't know if i really want a, a marked difference in quality either you know well, well maybe, but there is a market difference between like the movie that started the whole thing, and then oh yeah, I would say about season three or season four, it's it, it becomes really quite a bit different because yeah, the old joke used to be one in HDR then. I think on the others, they've done some of the others in HDR too. Okay. Um, but like one of the old jokes about this show, if you're sort of in the fandom of it or whatever, is that. In season one, and especially in the movie, like Obi Wan's hair is like wood. It's not really like hair at all. Um, and then as they go through, gradually they get a way to stay within the style that they've developed. But you know, it looks more realistic. Start making a little floppy here. <laughs> kind of, yeah. 
it, I mean, it's still not like, I don't know, 3D animation that you would find in a, like Zootopia or something like that, where you're really seeing every hair move. You know, it's not like that because that's not the style that they created, right? There is a sense in which this is a heightened style. So hmm. it, you shouldn't expect it to be like you are seeing photorealistic, you know, versions of Ewan McGregor or whatever. That's not yeah. the style. But it has definitely improved as we've gone through the years. I, I'd be interested. We've only got one episode. It is being rolled out in a, a sort of weekly fashion. Yep. Um, the full length good, ones but, again. So, weren't, weren't they quite long ones? Weren't they like an hour and a half episodes before? No, uh, like well, that was, 30 no there was an hour and a half movie. Ah, that's that what I'm talking about. the whole yeah. thing off. I've um, got that which, on, yeah. Yeah, which nobody remembers being a theatrical release because it made like, I don't, I don't know the exact figure, but I know it's only like 30 million dollars or some really yeah. really yeah. low figure like that i've got and it, then it yeah, yeah it's uh it's interesting it really isn't there it's a lot better than i think people might remember especially when taken in the broader context of the series a lot of the reason mm -hmm. people didn't like that first movie because it introduced like a padawan for anakin and people were like well how in the hell in the timeline do you have time to have a padawan for anakin but right as the series has developed it's, she is an indispensable part of the series and indeed yeah. one of the one of the key things about season seven is uh her return after a narrative absence um and what, what that will mean and i mean clearly her appearance in rebels was a sort of major event that was not really yeah. expected as far as i know um so Yes, I mean, I, I, re I really find that amazing and really a testament to the fact that, that uh, um, essentially Dave Filoni uh, is now like doing live action on Disney Plus with The Mandalorian. It, it was, it, I mean, he introduced Ahsoka and uh, I mentioned mm -hmm. a bunch of characters that are now integral parts of the whole Disney Star Wars universe. Um, Oh, well, Hondo I, is right, now Hondo. part of is part of the ride at Disney. Yeah, it's I mean, part of Rise of Resistance. Yeah, no, he's part of no first smuggler's run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that was that yeah. was an ex that was a very exciting unknown thing to me because I'd stayed away from any spoilers for Disney rides. I'm glad that I did because I come around the corner and there's Hondo and I freaked out. I was like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm glad you didn't know because I could have just like because I saw the video on that and I'm like. Oh, no, I didn't see the video. I mean, we spoiled it for other people. It's it's hard to know how to not spoil a ride because it's, you know, it's going to last for 20 years, but you still may not know what's on the ride if you've never been on it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was fundamentally awesome that, yeah, he, he got in there. I, I would like to just say one thing, even though Dave Floney is clearly a champion of Ahsoka and has had a lot to hmm. do with Ahsoka, it's still a George Lucas creation. Hmm. He, he, but I mean... He, he absolutely he came in the room the way that dave filoni tells the story is he comes into the writer's room and says okay so what we're going to do on this movie the very first movie is we are going to introduce this character named ahsoka who is going to be anakin's padawan so i mean it comes from george lucas but yes D dave filoni is absolutely responsible for nurturing that character um it, it, some might say uh, with justification that he deserves a co-creator credit but that is the last major creation, I think, of George Lucas to the right. uh, 
Star Wars universe. So I, I do want to give him his due there. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. But mm. yeah, I mean, idea one thing, creating a lasting character is a whole nother. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but don't forget, George I mean, Lucas was throughout the production of the series is actively. Right. He is. The, yeah. You know, exactly. He's there every writers' meeting. He's right. there stomping out story. There, there are definite storylines right. where you can point to and say that is completely from George Lucas, and he just gave it to Dave and said somehow you got to make this work. So, you know, thing that is George Lucas's gift right. to the world that we are finding out now when you compare the sequel trilogy to say the prequel trilogy is, you know, George may not know a damn thing about dialogue, really. Yeah. Um, but in terms of story structure and world building and all that stuff, hmm. there's really no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it's, yeah. I just think it's amazing that, that, that that's these cartoon essentially, you know, Back when I was growing up, cartoon characters, you know, and they've become so much more. You know, it's just it's quite quite cool, you know. Well, these crazy people, uh, I mean, they can't uh, undersell uh, the fans of animation and cartoons anymore. I mean, you've only got to see the reaction to Cats and Sonic the Hedgehog, the, the scrutiny it undergoes. Um, yeah. They're almost held to higher, higher standards in some ways because people are very much more focused on the creative style of uh, an animation. Hmm. Maybe. To be honest, I, I, I think, you know, I think uh, that the, the, I mean, the complaints about Sonic, I think, were well and truly justified. And I don't look at it as the um, studio bowing to pressure it's them going oh really that's that's bad okay well thanks and it paid off everybody loves it well that's been rather well anyway yeah yeah uh and and it's like they're like hey here's that trailer and you're like you're not making them look like that are you and everybody pretty much universally said please don't and what what was their other choice release the movie that everybody went no so you know, it's it's sometimes you've got to take on that artistic critique from from a whole bunch of people who don't know how to make movies, because at the end of the day they're going to go pay to see it, you know. And with that sort of a movie, the reason why it gets money is because people will see re repeat view that in the movie. I mean, I know Darth right. is going to see films theatrically released uh, a lot of times, but but with animation, I think. I mean, what was the other big money? It wasn't animation. It was the the circus one, the greatest showman. I mean, nobody thought mm. that was going to be a classic film, but fans mm. repeat watching was what carried the film. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like that's the thing with 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 properties like Sonic and Star Trek and and all the ones that have cult followings. You you in a way you have to kind of address certain things and and make things. The way they want, not necessarily the way they want it, but you got to give them that rewatchability because those are the people who are going to go, they're going to buy it, and then they're going to buy the special edition, and then the extra special edition. You know, it's it's like a drug. You know, they know they've got you hooked because we'll we'll, we'll hold that back for the ultra edition in two years. Correct. <laughs> we can sell true. another one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so how did we get here? Oh yeah, Darth was reviewing. <laughs> An episode. 
sorry. I think it was an aside, I think it was an aside at the time. Where did we get here? Well, one other one other bit of news that is like actual real world news, but it's impacting fandom, which nobody's really thought about. And we, I should point out, this is by far the least of its effects, but the effect, one of the effects of the coronavirus is a massive slowdown in production of many items that fans want. Um, companies like uh, uh, Big Chief. Oh, from China, uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, have, have said, you know, they've got all these orders that have been put in. You got to think a lot of these companies, whether it's Big Chief or, I don't know, uh, Sideshow or whoever, that make these really right. elaborate, you know, multi-hundred dollar items. Um, mm. They have very long production runs, right? So you'll put in, for instance, there's a Baby Yoda that, that, that um, Sideshow just started. Right, that thing is not due until 2021, uh, but you start paying on it in, you know, the fourth quarter of 2020. But you've got to pre-order it now if you have any chance of getting this item, right? So did so they you? Have these, uh, the what? So did you? The what? So did you pre-order it? Oh no, 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 no. Oh. but I'm just saying, <laughs> if, if you want to, for almost any item. Uh, yeah. you you got to expect probably waiting for a year to get the thing done. And so that means that a lot of orders which took, were taken in 2019 and are due for delivery in the first quarter of this year are probably not happening for these things because, you know, there's a, at some point in the production chain, there's a Chinese supplier. Now, obviously, that's happening right across the economy, right? And, mm. you know, this thing is going to have a massive massive effect not just on people's lives like physical lives but on their financial lives as well because you know the second largest economy goes down you know yeah. what is that going to mean it's going to mean terrible things probably come november interestingly enough um and uh so you know if you are waiting on one of these things and you know it's, it's not getting delivered to you in the time that you wanted. Just remember, it's the least of the effects oh, of yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. You know, but it, it's an interesting side note. I know it's already affected Big Chief. You know, and Big Chief make a lot of Doctor Who figures and stuff like that. And so, I'm pretty sure if you're expecting to get like the 13th Doctor thing that they're doing, that's not coming in the time frame that they thought. Like, I think they thought it was going to come out in April. It's probably going to be. I don't know when now. June, maybe. Well, I'm not sure. The effects, you're right. The the they cross every board. I mean, uh, on the mm. BBC News, it was saying that the uh, the number of air flights has dropped for the mm. first time since something like mm -hmm. uh, 1994, uh, first year on year, and it's dropped something like 16 percent. Uh, yeah. You know, for the, not just for the, a couple of weeks. The effect will be over the course of 12 months. You know, right. uh, it will have been a right. downturn, which again, yeah. with what's happened to this uh, Max plane and that being taken out, you know. Um, but of course, we, I mean, people, there are people of a certain age, you probably think the economy only goes up one way. But um, what with things like the, the, the 2008, you know, Lieberman Brothers or whatever it was, I'm not putting any names to causes, but you just to refer it to 
what happened with the prime lending rates and things yeah, like yeah. that. So, yeah, I mean, that took 10 years to play out. Um, and um, what, what, uh, you've got to say that uh, although this is supposed to have been a, a slower than perhaps ideal response to this, you can't say that it hasn't been taken seriously since. I mean, some of the, I mean, even in mm. France now, they've had a, a, a sharp, they've basically quarantined a couple of villages uh, simply, well, not simply, but because of local outbreaks that they can't link to. So, I mean, the, 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 the real thing is the impact on people's lives, actually, uh, I think. But um, you're right. I mean, um, I mean, when you, when you say, well, what do you mean you can't you can't get me trainers? Because these people have not yeah. they've not ordered hundred trainers. They've they've ordered five million pairs of trainers in ten sizes. Uh, so I mean, you've got about forty factories producing those. You know, maybe ten thousand workers doing it, twenty thousand workers, hundred thousand workers. Um, yeah. And if you can't go to work. Yeah. And I mean, if you think, you know, again, to sort of bring it back to this podcast yeah, area of interest, like if you think about the centrality of Disney to so many different fandoms, right, it, it is not an insignificant thing that Hong Kong and Shanghai Disney lands are closed. That is All a right. big freaking deal, especially in the middle of, you know, construction at Epcot and stuff like that that division of Disney is going to be hurting for sure compared to what they thought. Um, so, I mean, you know, people might think, well, who cares? It's Disney is a multinational corporation. So therefore if they're hurting a little bit, it doesn't really affect me. It might affect you in your, you know, but just because they're, they are everywhere. It might affect what you uh, get to consume. It might, it might, lead to things like, you know, some kind of Star Wars thing that you want. Will it have an impact on the production of Obi-Wan? Don't know. Maybe. Could. Well, um, it is because it's yeah. not as though one particular thing fails, because if the actual yeah. source of production is closed, it's not as right. though they say, well, we're not selling as many Star Wars as we thought. We'll, right, we'll right, sell right. all those Racket Ralph toys or whatever else you know buy. Uh, they bring you yes. in up and say, if you, you know, if you want to buy that one, which one are you buying? Because you're a good uh, fair weather vein. Right. It's, it's fundamental inability to produce. That is just, yeah. And, and it's nobody's fault, really, exactly. It's not, you know, it's not like, it's not like the 2008 crisis, which was entirely, you know, to do with bad practice, really. Um, it's just, the, the factories are empty because everyone is ordered home. You know, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, and, meanwhile, anybody yeah. ordering from Wish is none the wiser. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny I don't know thing if you've is, ever ordered just... anything from Wish, Wish, David, but it's a, uh, wow. it's a, uh, it's a huge catalog of all kinds of odd things. I've got a, a bunch of items. The, the wonderful thing about Wish is it's like make it's like buying a present for yourself and then and in that regard it's because you order something on wish and it takes about three months about a month then you completely forget you ordered it and so at month three you're like oh what's this a present and you open it and you're like 
this is really cool. I've always wanted one of these. <laughs> and I've got three more in the way. Yeah. And it's like, so it's like, so people, pe people who are from Westfall have no idea. <laughs> like, I forgot anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've got an, an Orin that I got. It's from the never ending story. It's the, the, the amulet that uh, Atreyu and, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, it has the, the, the two snakes. Yeah. So I ordered that for like two bucks. It's small enough to fit in the palm of my hand. It's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I've ordered some fun stuff from there. <laughs> okay, I suppose we ought to do some work, guys. Work? What's that? <laughs> um, I think we can... Perhaps one thing just to mention before we go on today's episode of uh, Doctor Who. Um, the one we talked about last week, Can You Hear Me? Uh, the official mm -hmm. ratings are out for that. Um, uh, official rating of uh, 4.9 million viewers. Um, the episode, um, the 21.6 share of the audience, um, and it got an appreciation index of 78. And I must admit that was, to me, one of the most improved episodes in terms of second, second and third watching. Uh, I think it was a little bit confusing. Uh, the way it was hopping about at first, and some of the 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 um, the way that the story sort of ended in about thirty odd minutes, and then there was a, a long session at the end. And it depended on whether the, we've had this debate before, isn't it? Whether the actual the villains are MacGuffin and something else is the important part of the story. But uh, to me, I wasn't that enamoured with "Can you hear me?" Uh, at the beginning, but um, it, it has grown on me quite a bit, and um, I think, unless anybody else has any other comments uh, to underline that, um, I think we're about ready to uh, launch onto spoiler territory for. Yep. And would you believe this, Ian? There's only a two-parter to follow after this. We're up to, uh, what is it, episode seven here? Uh, yeah. No, no, eight. eight. We've got uh, eight, eight. Nine, yeah, nine and ten. So it's The Haunting of Villa Diodati. Did I get it right? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but we made a deal before we started, didn't we? Or was it, yeah, before we started, yeah. it during the show that uh, you were going to have to pronounce it from here on out. So, you know, on you, right, buddy. so uh, if everybody's forewarned about spoilers, that's what we're going to talk about. Spoilers! Do you want to hit the first clip? And uh, maybe we ought to ask Darth to go first this time, because he's usually have to sit there and listen to his chunner for so long. What that's just like the whole show and listening to us talk. <laughs> anyway, put oh. on. Tales of the Dead. At midnight we took a torch to the chapel. With pallid countenance and trembling limbs we descended to the vault. Hildegard's leaden coffin loomed before us. The Count was seized with the sensations of terror. He opened the coffin with a stifled cry of dread. And inside we saw... I shall send whoever calls away, my lord. No, Fletcher. 
What if it is she? Hildegard, the death bride. If something infernal is on my doorstep, I should be the one to go and greet it. Infernal? Surely not. Who is brave enough to come and see? I'll wager it's Shelley, amusing himself with a trick. Shelley is not one of the tricks. There is nothing to be afraid of. That's the longest clip, by the way. The others are quite a bit shorter than that. There's nothing, nothing to be afraid of except for Darth's review. <laughs> Hmm. I don't know about that. Um, so this just a nice thing, segue. That's all. Indeed. Uh, this thing is like a, kind of a game of two halves for me. It's like the first half before the Cyberman arrives, and then there's the bit after that where you deal with the Cyberman, which is essentially might as well call it part one of a three-parter, I guess. Um, mm. That's not really giving anything away. That is the direct no, implication yeah. of the of the story. I, did, I agree. Yeah. Um, it is certainly one of the best um, shot things in terms of lighting. I mean, it's this is fantastic cinematography. Um, and in terms of the evocation of a mood, I think it's one of the best Doctor Who episodes probably that there is certainly it has um a greater ability to actually frighten or cause trepidation in the viewer than most episodes of doctor who do whether or not that successfully carries on to the cyberman part i'm not entirely sure that depends on i guess what you think of the cyberman really um, I don't really like the Cybermen, so for me, it's like, I get what they're trying to do. It's kind of a creepy effect with the Cybermen. Uh, there's, you know, the beginning of putting together, you know, a, a season-long arc here uh, with trying to interpret and use the advice that Jack gave in a previous episode. But, uh, and indeed, in the implication, I think, of Spyfall Part Two. I think it's kind of obvious Skyfall Part 2 was really talking about Cybermen. Uh, so you put that together with everything so far and you start to see the shape of a series. It's pretty good in that regard. Um, it does uh, certainly have sort of a utopia-like effect in, in terms of, okay, we're really winding up the pitch here to make it a, a really crisp bowl, essentially. Um, but... Um, I guess I'm, I'm. I guess I'm just a little bit reserved on it because of Cybermen. Also because there are elements here that are, to my mind, a little bit of a reuse. Um, certainly, the whole. I, I'm kind of tired at this point with the use of Mary Shelley. You know, Mary Shelley is actually a companion of the Eighth Doctor, um, and in in a story that has a similar, if not exactly the same setting as this. Um, so if you've been following along in audio, you know, I think you're going to pick up a Chimes of Midnight vibe 
for those who really want to go back into the eighth doctor's catalog um or some more recent stuff there's i I'm, i want to say there's an episode with cybermen historically set in vienna at about the same time i can't remember that quite remember the name Spare of it parts, was it no no no, no. Spare parts is no that's not it it's not okay it's sort of a historical but not really there's there's one that's sort of set in the austro-hungarian empire itself um so and, you know historical use of cybermen mm. not exactly innovative it is sort of an end of is it is it novel to television i guess so no, no, um, the next doctor had Cybermen. Oh yeah, I get. I mean, yeah, if you want to call this site, yeah, okay. Ghost Ghostlight had, Ghost had a frightening house for seven. Well, doctors. I guess yeah, that was sort of talking about real Doctor Who. Um, ah. anyway, um, sorry I was for that. You did not Boom. disappoint. You did not disappoint. Boom. It's all about the content, man. It's all about the content. Yeah, you pitched it right over the plate. What am I gonna do? Anyway, um, <laughs> exactly what I thought yeah. you'd do. You know, it's it certainly is an enjoyable thing to watch. I think it was much improved over last week. Uh, I think, though, its value very much like Utopia. It, mm. Its its value is well, what happens next? You know, if you like what happens next, then fine, totally redeemed. You know, this, this is a great way to start a three-parter. If what happens later isn't so good, then it's kind of like, all right. So he took some parts that he got from, it really is a spare parts kind of creation of a of an episode. So you take parts that are very famous. I mean, honestly, if most people, if they know anything about Doctor Who audio, probably know Chimes of Midnight or have heard that bandied around fandom or whatever because it's, it's truly a classic episode that is though set at christmas a very spooky tale about you know the doctor and companions in a house that is foreboding that and also historical at the same time um and that's what this is and it does a really good job of you know creating that atmosphere but it still is not exactly it's what doctor who kind of should do more often but doesn't do i mean i guess Hyde would be an example, maybe from television where you had a sort of mm. spooky environment. Uh, the, but just like Hyde, the second half of that really, your enjoyment may not be consonant with your enjoyment of the first half, right? Yeah. Um, so what was the other one, the, the 12th Doctor one. Uh, this is kind of like that. The, the the one with the the, the house um and oh um, you're talking about with, with, with the wood with, with the wood the, yeah. the walls yeah 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 sort of yeah yeah that one was kind yeah. of spooky house thing you know. and they did the thing with the audio on that one didn't they as well yeah i guess yeah but i mean again that's not really historical that is explicitly modern day because oh yeah very, true well yeah. What's your name? it's historical now <laughs> Wow, I guess. But it was historical <laughs> the way we did the, the way we did. I mean, Tim Flynn is historical now. If you want to go down that road. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you know, it's it, I, if I'm sounding less than effusive, it's just because I don't know what happens next. And it, I think what happens next does 
is going to echo back to this impact yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but but certainly as a matter of craftsmanship you can't beat the cinematography you really can't beat it and um you know i i quite like it. i think i've heard some things online about this now about people saying this is the best jody whitaker episode ever maybe i mean she certainly is very very good at it um but i don't know um but we will again have to see i i kind of am hoping it's not the best one i'm kind of hoping that maybe this week or maybe next week even better if it's next week i mean i'd like to go out on a absolute high really um but i would i kind of wish like this episode being somewhat tied into the rest of the series but yet also having a distinct plot of its own it kind of makes me wish that this had this whole series had been more like series four in which you got a little bit of the ongoing storyline in each episode right. that would have been delightful maybe, I mean, maybe i'm being too uh rose colored about series four maybe there were episodes in there where you didn't quite get um, yeah at the end we might realize that there were more hints dropped than we we picked exactly. up exactly yeah. and so i think that puts this i really do think it puts this in a very unusual place to review because your heart kind of wants to say wow that was really good really good but your head is like mm, not if they don't pull out the cyberman thing you know and i'd also like to point out that i think some people may believe that this whole half cyberized cyberman is a like oh, startling revelation it's really not i mean hell this goes back to like fifth doctor comic strips in doctor who magazine and the character of croton there was this half cyberized um dude well i'll tell you what it was better than the blooming lodger one where 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 the guy got enveloped with a blooming garlic casing or whatever it was you know the no you don't mean, you mean the sequel to the lodger you mean closing uh, time closing time that was it sorry yeah where the, the uh, comedian the one with recording yeah. gets all yeah. wrapped up kind of i yeah. mean you know i get yeah sure i mean but i mean if we get into that game i think mm. at least i will be in trouble because it's really hard for me to say with clarity if there's a great episode with cybermen i can't really think of one off the top of my head i just i just think they're a terrible invention like they should have, they should have, they, they were fine in, you know, 10th planet. It's kind, of, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? But then. The pipe was coming for me. The pipe yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of cool. As a way to kind of see a doctor out, they're kind of interesting because they're this sort of interstitial point between humanity and not humanity. And so is sort of Hartnell at that point is sort of in an interstitial state. It's interesting, you know, and it's a good setting. It's on an Antarctica, you know, there's all this stuff going on. Good setting, international. It was a contrivance, though, wasn't it, to work yeah. with this storyline as well? Absolutely. Everything about, yeah. Uh huh. But, I, you know, another point of my sort of diffuse reaction to this thing is just because it's Cyberman. I just, you know, I can't. I can't wrap my mind around why it's so hard to make these characters good. Um, but, you know, ultimately, even the best attempt, I think, was maybe 
whatever in you know the conclusion of season 10 but even that i don't think in the conclusion conclusion is all that good i tell you what i'm dreading is let's think about recent history let's think about just the last three seasons four four three of the four three of the last four seasons wait is, it, is this right am i right maybe i mean three of the last five seasons have right. ended with the master controlling Cybermen. And it sure looks like that's what's going to happen now. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But you got the Cybermen out there. You got the master the, on the board. Yeah. The, the, the doctor references that somebody must have sent this uh, Siberian back in time, didn't she? Yeah. In, during the storyline. Who would do that? You know? Yeah. I mean... Now that he's got the TARDIS back. So you almost wonder if they were the foot soldiers that destroyed Gallifrey as well. I mean, hello. Because how, how, we... how else could the master of Because he says, he, he and this is not spoilers because it's from the past episode, that he, the, the master tells the doctor that he destroyed Gallifrey. Well, right. I don't suppose he went around shooting it, it with himself with one gun. Um, mm -hmm. So. Yeah, he would. Where's and it? is the ascension it, of the Cybermen their their ascension to being Time Lords? No, I yeah. think this the one in this story will become the new Cyber Leader. So it's his ascension to being a Cyber Leader. I would have thought mm -hmm. in the next I story. Know. I don't know, but there there are a lot of things about it. It's you know this episode is about instilling dread in people the dread it particularly instills in me is just where are these elements going to well, well in the one you referenced the skyfall one um the the guy who um you know the the comic who's leading it he said mm -hmm. i'm only seven percent converted because they need somebody yeah. who has his faculties there to do the planning and so on mm -hmm. well they may be going with the same idea that they need a uh, and remember, we've had a Dalek story in the past, the one in the Empire State Building where they wanted a, um, you know, the, the Manlik. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying that word. But the <laughs> where they wanted, they wanted to get some humanity into the Daleks so mm. they could win, beat. That's the only way they think we could beat humans. Well, this might be this one's ascension to, especially now he's got that, um, that um, what would you call it? something like terminator 2's intelligent metal or what we call it mm. yeah the quicksilver has uh yeah. called it do you want mm, great <laughs> they have impeccable timing tell number mm. one to be quiet <laughs> heal number one heal yeah i don't know i mean it's um you like the you like the cinematography of it. You like the I'm assuming you liked all the costuming and that. Um, do you do you think? Um, I mean, how recognisable are these characters to the American audience? Um, I, I did listen uh, to uh, discussing who and um, th they they knew obviously about Shelley and Frankenstein and that, but they weren't. They didn't feel maybe that a lot of the American audience would would be that aware of these the importance historically and literature wise and of course the the doctor makes reference later on in this episode about you know um 
it's the stories that that resonate throughout time and and give you know substance to these thoughts and feelings and you know they, they mentioned the modern Pr prometheus and things like that sure i mean it, it's not my place to speak for the entirety of the american audience but it would seem to me that if an american audience were likely to know the creator of frankenstein it would probably be that audience which is watching doctor who already right i think so and you know i i guess I'm a little tired of that metaphor too, to be honest with you, because we already had it explicitly in the, you know, Eighth Doctor movie, obviously. Um, and plus, honestly, if you've been listening to audio, this whole Mary Shelley thing is, to me at least, massively played out. Like the, the question is not will an American audience recognize it; it's why does the British creative team want to keep going back to that well what is so special about frankenstein what is so special about mary shelley why do they keep trying to hammer this into doctor who and i really don't know well it's it's copyright free for a start well okay fine fine that, that's true enough I, I guess i can understand that but i mean I'd much rather have like a proper vampire tale, not the sort of like more like what Terrence Dix actually wanted to write for State of Decay, not what became State of Decay. Like I really something. Well, but we've had that in audio, but there's a really good Fifth Doctor audio that actually surrounds the the origin of the legend of Dracula. That is awesome, and. Um, that kind of thing would be more interesting to me, I guess. I don't know if you're if you're talking about sort of universal classic monsters. And actually, I'm not entirely sure. Well, yeah, Frankenstein in general, I guess, is copyright free. But the specific iteration that most people in America are familiar with, the universal thing, that's not free. Um, but I don't know. I just, I'm not. I'm not. To be honest, this is it's another great example of a an, an historical used to good effect. Fine. That's great. That is certainly I think when we are done with the Whitaker era, that's one of the things we're going to look back on and say they pretty much every time there was anything that had any kind of historical element, almost almost anything, maybe not last week, but almost anything um that they nailed that even even last week i think they nailed that aspect they nailed the ability to realize it on screen much better than most other eras have done kind of. um, right what but, i thought about this was that uh it's it could almost be done as a stage play this one i mean it's um it's almost um, the inspector calls in a science fiction form you know it's because uh, you basically i mean it could be a crime but um Ian, do you, do you want to just play, was it about the third clip, third or fourth clip, move us along and and then we'll, we'll resume. Alrighty. Uh, here comes clip number three. What's his problem? Oh, paid Dr. Polidori no heat. He's bad tempered because he does not sleep. He walks at night. A terrible affliction. Imagine. Never being able to truly rest. I'm fully aware of what you want. Please reveal all. My third canto. Of Child Harold's pilgrimage, my work in progress. 
Nah, it goes on a bit, that one. No offence. Nice man, sure Ada, though. Big fan of hers. You know of my daughter? Will do. Gorgeous brain. Why are you here? For a quick visit, supposedly. But I'm getting this really weird vibe off your house. Vibe? Yeah. I don't want to worry you. I'm sensing that it's sort of unrelentingly evil. Yeah, the, 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 the psychic paper didn't work right at the beginning, did it? Now, I didn't know whether we've had before when the psychic paper hasn't worked on people with high, high intellect. So this gathering was supposed to be people with high intellect. So I was thinking, well, perhaps that was the reason. But then she's talking about this like perception field around the house, things like that. Right. Uh, uh, Ian, do you want to talk next a bit more? And then whenever you want to stop, just play a later clip. Sure. All right. Um, it was all right. Uh, I watched it again last night to kind of prep for this because I was in that mindset of it's all right. Um, uh, I am not what you would call well-read. I know who most of the people in this were, but I think it aimed a little too high, um, at least for foreign audiences um who aren't literary buffs um you know there was just so many things i didn't know i didn't know that shelly and byron hung out for a kickoff you know yeah that's great because then you go look it up but i almost got the feeling that we really should have had a little bit of a exploratory walk and talk as as the doctor and companions came up to the house now don't you know this we're going to go see and this is what they're supposed to be doing. That would have been kind of nice going in. Um, but we kind of got shoved into this. And I think that was part of my problem is just not being familiar with some of the things that they were trying to point out. Like nobody mm -hmm. snog Byron. I, I, why? Why nobody snog Byron? It was a philander, wasn't it? Well, I don't know that. It is interesting, it, it, Ian, how, how like Unicorn and the Wasp actually does take the time to tell you who Agatha Christie ah, is. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good point, actually, that you're making that. Yeah. The only thing they say is don't snog Byron. I'm like, why? I'm like, he's good looking. I'd snog him. Um, and I must say, he was very good looking, the gentleman who was playing him. Um, but yeah, it was like, who? Uh, um, and I didn't attach to any of the characters. I didn't attach to, attach to Mary Shelley. Just that neat little speech she did down there, but then it was like taken away by the Cybermen. It's like, yeah, who cares then? And yeah, I I didn't really care, and I kind of missed some things the first time round. That was one of the reasons for rewatching it, and I found myself drifting off, well, not to sleep, but just you know, my mind wandering off to other things. Um, and there's the repeat of the didn't we didn't uh matt smith doctor come across a the siberiad is it related to the siberium or are they both the same thing why do we have two computers that can hop into people's brains i you know we just put cyber in the beginning of something and it's right, fine right, or cyber right. at the end and we're good it's just another floating freaking computer from mm -hmm. Cybermen. 
And yeah, and what's the difference between Cyber Lord and Cyber Controller and Cyber whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cyber Lord, Cyber Controller, Cyber Janitor, mm -hmm. uh, Cyber Second in Command, mm -hmm. and yeah, and you can just get colored black handles just by downloading a program. You know, <laughs> that's the oh, upgrade. He's, well, he's got the colored bars now. That's all right. Um, that's, yeah, they get, um, they get 5G with the black ones. I was probably more scared. I think I I don't think I've been scared of the Cybermen really. I I think when Russell brought them back, it was kind of cool the and kind of a little frightening when people were being converted and there were the yes. you know yeah. the very vicious looking tools to make them. Like that was dead kind of scary and stuff. But that's probably the last time I really found them frightening at all and it, it just seems to have gone from miss to miss to miss and so i'm kind of with you darth on the it's like this is all well and good and probably a nice story it is a nice story i'll give it that and i understand that there's a lot of people out there who do enjoy it and think this is fantastic i think i read that mike is really really enjoying doctor who at the moment and he stated that after having watched this one and that's fantastic and i'm like more power too that's great but for me it just it just missed and maybe like there i said because we haven't seen the payoff yet where's this going what's it doing because also like there said thanks for just like stealing on the man uh <laughs> It is like utopia. It's it's serving us up this interesting little historical, which maybe would have been a better historical if it had just spent time on the historical and not this whole argument, which is a really good argument. And I think that's why people are really enjoying Jodie in this one is because she finally gets, it's not a big speech, but she actually gets a good doctor speech in here. It's like, oh yeah, you're a team. You're fantastic. We're all in this together until yeah. I have to decide between the fantastic mind that, yeah. you know, that can create and influence so many people. I mean, for example, it's being used in Doctor Who as a storyline. So it has, it makes its own point that, you know, the story is still being used so many times and referenced so many times in so many works of art and, you know, fiction and, and movies and all sorts. Um, but none of them can decide. And, and she turns it on, on, on them and basically says, could you make the decision? Would you, you know, what, what if I had to make the decision for your life? What she you was know, saying, and, fact, that, that it would be their lives. It wouldn't just be the one right. man. It would change right. history, and he may not even be born, you know. Right, yeah. But it's, like, that, that there, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's all very well them saying, we're all in this together. We'll help you, Doc. But at the end, they really, and it does sound insulting toward the companions, but they really aren't equipped to make that kind of the decision. Only with the doctor really is equipped and I don't even think the doctor is really yeah. equipped to to fully grasp what the implications would be of doing that. And so, you know, they're like, oh, but Captain Jack says. Is Captain well, she admits that in a way, doesn't she? That's why yeah. she gives the Simon what he wants, because yeah. she just doesn't know what the repercussions would be of, right. you know, of, of uh, the alternate. Uh, mm. I mean, she had the third option of keeping the thing inside itself, but you've right. almost got to think that 
if she'd have kept that Siberium, it would have been like, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings uh, carrying the link ring and it basically taking over personality. She could have had a, uh, we could have had a dark, to use Highlander terminology, you could have had a dark quickening there with the Doctor, right. you know, and uh, we yeah. could have had the Valyard come out next. Or Mind you, just thinking about it, that would have been a better storyline, wouldn't it? If she'd taken <laughs> it, kept it, and regenerated into a Valyard type, rather nasty Doctor. That time was right. a nasty doctor, I suppose. Anyway, you see, the the story was good, I think, until the, they they um, imposed the Cybermen into the story, and I just wonder uh, the the point of creation of the story and its merging with the you know the story, the overall yeah. you know season story arc, um, because some of the, the 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 haunted house stuff was actually really well crafted because when you look at it, it's like he he took this alien thing which could have been anything it didn't need to be cyberman related in fact it might not have been um and he could have been headhunted by the you know the, the something could have been headhunting for this um but because the whole bits were like they kept seeing the figure it's like but he was cloaked and like that's really actually kind of a cool explanation for all those things that we saw at the beginning of the story and then it backtracks and tells all that that i found interesting so there's a cyberman step then i'm like oh okay so yeah i'm with darth yeah. So I mean, and, and I just wanted—I didn't end up caring about any of the historical characters at all, or coming off really knowing that much more about them, apart from apparently Byron's a bit of a lad and likes to get it around a bit. That's all I learned really about about them, and you know, and that's it. It's, you know, I—I I, I don't really none of the performances really stood out either. And so it was a bit of a flop uh, from from my point of view. Other, your mileage may vary. So with that, on to the next clip, which I think is five. Five, five, yeah. I totally saw a ghost. We're stuck on the stairs, please. How do we move upwards? I need to check my son as well. Working on it. Head's a bit fuzzy. Normal service will resume shortly. And ghosts don't exist. Of course not. You two just need a spray tan and a kip, eh? Graham, what sort of dead people exactly? Huh? How can I hear your voice, Doc? I'm using the fireplace chimney. Doc? Graham? Graham? Oh, they've gone now. And so's Polidori. I've lost him. You had one job. It made more challenging by his ability to walk through walls. Two? We just turned sort of zombie and went into one. What do you speak of? What is a zombie? Is this Doctor? It's kind of a dead person walking, but it won't be that. Is this Doctor? How do you know? Because Polidori isn't dead for a kickoff. This is Doctor! Really just Doctor is fine. Polidori! <laughs> he emerged from the wall like a phantom. Be gone, demon! Okay. Um, yeah. Well, look... Uh, so, uh, yeah, oh. so that's that's my that's essentially my review is it's a i think the makings of a really good ghost story ruined by a cyberman there you go well it, 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 there was there was a definite i think the story 
had been in uh, gestation longer than, as you say, in it was sort of adapted, even though the Cybermen fit in exactly here. I think what they were trying yeah. to do was recreate uh, like the story Dalek, where we we found out when a lot of us watched Dalek that one Dalek was was more frightening than you know right. a mass space gathering of them. And I think what they were trying to do was to to up the uh, the standing of Cybermen um, by having a, a a one person a one Cyberman story. And I, I think the 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 guy who acted it. Um, uh, did an excellent portrayal because he you know he was incomplete but then that allowed them in the storyline to drop all these things like uh, mary shelley noticed that uh, oh you're made of not just one part of one person she right. seemed to think he was made of other parts and although there was one mistake i thought when when the cyberman uh his gun misfires and he's obviously depleted from the time hopping uh, and then he he goes towards the lurches towards the doctor and then as he reaches near the window he's struck by lightning and it's revealed that that becomes a power source for him and he charges up unfortunately mary shelley wasn't in the room to witness that because that's a big part of the uh, frankenstein story but on the other hand you can argue that they didn't want to sort of lay the whole story in front of her because then that diminishes her status as a writer if basically right you know she wrote this because the, yeah. the doctor laid the whole story out in front of her you know um so yeah. there had to be subtle hints in that um uh the modern prothesis prothesis say it but that word yeah that word and then there were another couple of hints uh the only other slight strange thing that i, I questioned it is where where um he gets challenged to a, a duel and uh uh, uh, he's, uh, I challenge you to oh, a duel, and, uh, right? And right, yeah. And then man's going, he's going, he's going for a gun. He's going, he's, he's going for a gun. And that was my impression. Thank you very much. I didn't, you not, much. I didn't um, understand, uh, understand the point of one of that. Well, 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 it's a bit of comedic. But the thing is, of course, if you're challenged to a gun. Uh, uh, if you're challenged to a duel, the, the person who's challenged you can't go off and get his gun because you might say, hang on, I want swords. I mean, it was right. his privilege. So, I mean, that didn't work for me. Uh, but I did like the, the house. Uh, if anybody here, and yeah, I don't include Ian in this, is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they did a fantastic Halloween story where um, they were going to this um, uh, college uh, what they call them these houses where they have them um and uh, in the top room somebody had drawn a, a pentagram but it was they thought there was sheep's blood or something and it was something and it basically the whole house closed down anybody was outside couldn't get in anybody was inside couldn't get out and the rooms were moving around uh, so i i got a vibe from that I got a vibe from uh, two time, uh, from Terminator 2 with this sort of intelligent metal. Um, I, I liked a lot about it. I, I, I did think it looked lavish. I did think it looked well lit. I did think the costuming, it, you know, you, you can tell the, the pedigree, I think, of the BBC and the depth of their costuming. I'm sure they sourced that out of, uh, you know, all their all their um, historical drama type of stuff. Um the 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 even the hairstyles of the women and the the deportments and their their, their way they they conversed 
was great. But yet you also had this idea of them, um, you know, meeting your heroes, the doctors, bigging them up on the way in. Obviously not big enough because, uh, you know, um, and I, I do take the point, I think uh, Kyle was saying he was having trouble working out which, you know, because it, um, you know, which one's Byron and uh, which one's Shelley and uh he found that difficult to, and and you had to. I must admit, uh, it it was even better on second watching. I thought it was really good. But I I, I like the whole scene. Uh, that blooming uh, hand running around that was scary. I thought it was a big giant spider at first, uh, but uh, th that was very well done. Um, what else? Um, I like that we we had the scene uh, where the doctor sort of. Uh, read, reading what had happened and he's telling the story about you know discovering at the side of the lake and how it adopted him and and there's the lovely scene where you're thinking well he can't how can he control it but it was his subconscious mind that was controlling it i first thought when i watched it that um if this psychic projection was going on it was the very doctor's suggestion that they should create a horror story that in of itself that created this the scenario in other words in other words it was feeding on it was something some intelligence feeding on their subconscious but it wasn't we know he was directing it by his emotions because when the cyberman does come downstairs um, he he blasts it away for a short while um showing that he has some control of it i'm not quite sure why she couldn't have taken it into her body and kept it there thus depriving the uh, cyber of it but then i think well, that might have caused uh, problems, uh, almost as though you know Jean-Luc Picard has been made into a ball. Well, no, you know, he, well, he was—he said he would—he uh, was calling his ship to basically just destroy the Earth. And she says, and, right. and they say, well, does the Earth end now? And she said she didn't know. So, yeah, it was obviously a state of flux, wasn't it, over this particular right. period in time? And obviously, their interference partly caused that state of flux but right, I, he's been no, traveling I, through time too so right right uh, no i thought it was a, i thought it was an excellent story i think it could have worked as well maybe even better as a, a, a straightforward historical one but i think as darth alluded to that um not only is this the uh, the the first part of a three-part story and hopefully it, it we really need a good payoff but i, I do think as we go back and rewatch this um not we've got two themes going on we? we've got the 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 fact that earth is um, a fragile place and lots of things can threaten it um because in every case uh, we've had scenarios possible future scenarios where where the earth becomes uh, untenable our um uh, our man's silliness with like plastic and whatever has led to to unforeseen events because obviously the plastic in of itself wasn't doing the damage in that particular story it was this right. virus that was using it as a food source but the unintended consequences uh and so on no i i really like this one it, it did come out a little bit um harsh when the doctor did that uh, speech that you said but it was it was well warranted where she was she's got the weight of the world uh, and more on her shoulders and and they couldn't foresee uh, many of the implications she was struggling with it even um but i did think it was a, a great story i mean um uh, i like 
I felt this was what a really good story. And uh, again, not quite as much as last week. Last week, really, I felt as though I needed a second and third watching to even follow the storyline. This one, I just felt as though I got more out of it. And again, um, you might need to put on the um, the closed captioning just to catch uh, some of the references then. I think you'll find there's a lot more. I thought this cast of, I mean, I could see some of these actors actually being in a straight historical drama. You know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't pretending to be in costume. They were inhabiting their costumes, I thought. And, and that led to the, um, the realistic, not the realistic because it's horror, but you know what I mean? The, it seems seated in time very well. Uh, and of course we had that question mark at the end where uh, uh, Graham was saying, um, what about those other two uh, ghosts? And they left that as a hanging uh, question right. to us all. Um, I think um, if if we can have, um, I don't know which is the best, if you perhaps if we skip six and jump to seven, we'll just play one okay. now and maybe each have another chat quickly. Okay. Rage, fear, and death. How is he seeing all this? The Siberium is burning through his mind. It'll destroy him if it stays in him much longer. An epic battle. The Siberium at the heart of it. Controlling data, strategy, decision making. Clever. Very clever. Someone took it from the Cybermen, sent it back through time here in an attempt to change the future. In an attempt to protect it from that. So I can't keep him away much longer. Then don't. Doc, stop fighting. It's okay. Jack's warning. Jack is in here now, stuck in a house with that. Exactly. He didn't want us near it a minute ago. I've just been inside his brain. There's a supercomputer fused to a cerebral cortex. He's the only one who knows how to get that out. Don't let the Cybermen have what it wants. I know, because armies will rise and billions will die. Shelley's going to die if that stuff stays inside him. Shelley's only one life against all those others. What are you saying? How can you con condemn him to death like that? But is he right? His thoughts, his words, inspire and influence thousands for centuries. If he dies now, who knows what damage that will have on future history? Words matter. There you are. Come, uh, podcasts matter as well. But um, Darth, it's while since you spoke. Do you want, do you want to add anything? Sorry. I was just going to say real quick, um, the bit I was going to say before the mm. dogs interrupted me was... Um, the 7% of uh, Daniel Barton, which is Lenny Henry's character, could that yeah. be the Siberium or Siberiad or whatever this thing is? Maybe he ends up with it? I don't know. Just an idea of linking everything back together, but, you know. I think it's going to be the further in the future than that, I think, because mm. uh, they've already affected the that that timeline i don't think they can go back and re-enter it again i mean yeah. that's only one of the sort of if if doctor who has any canon that's one of the things that they do usually say right. and and just for for those of you listening back um uh Golden collective has always gone out right roughly at this time and of course they moved doctor who uh to this time and so we're actually uh unaware of anything that's happened on this week's 
episode as this one goes out. So just so oh, you yeah. wonder, because you know we're not actually covering, you know, we haven't seen it yet. So if you're going, what are you guys talking about? You can't, didn't you see the episode? No, we haven't yet. <laughs> we're we're under we're under the cone of silence as far as the episode goes. So yeah, <laughs> we're not stupid. We're just unaware yet. And also yeah, we're con conscientious. <laughs> anyway, Darth. Oh yeah. So I mean, some other things that probably we shouldn't let go here is that there are multiple vectors of history that are going on in this episode, which is kind of cool because a lot of times it's just uh, like with the Shakespeare Code, it's you know what happened to Twelve Labors Lost, right? Which is a historical event, but it's just that one thing. Right, it's not really anything else. Or Agatha Christie, how come she disappeared? You know, historical fact. Here's she the story behind that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that's interesting here is not only do you get an exploration of the characters and um, kind of there's a, I mean, it's not really, it's sort of overt if you know what you're looking for, but there is this exploration of the sort of love shenanigans that were going on at lake geneva in 1816 because <laughs> it's not it's not as straightforward like they didn't really go there but like who is the father of the child uh, is a right. point of history right but the other thing that's a point of history is in keeping with all of the environmental themes that we have going on uh this is it is a historical fact that this year in 1816 there was this you know horrible weather patterns that forced everybody inside. It's, you know, the year without a summer, I guess, is what it's called historically. Right. And so it's interesting that although it involves writers, it's actually trying to explain a meteorological event that's real and that's relevant to today uh, because it was a massive shift in, like, um, temperature that caused all this stuff why did this temperature shift and all that and so it's it's an interesting um exploration i guess of um you know one instance of greenhouse effect really yeah no, so it's, I, it's, I, I, uh, that's that's the the thing that they kind of did in uh, the crown because right? i was unaware of it until i saw it in the crown right and you, you were unaware of the early stories about the frost fairs, you know, the one where oh, they yeah. didn't make... I thought they'd made that up until <laughs> I looked it up, and I was like, holy hell, are they really... No, no, they're 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 nice. They had a fair on the Thames. What the yeah. hell? Like, yeah. brilliant. That's just bonkers. <laughs> but, plus, I mean, like... the, the reason for the Frankenstein stuff is hmm. um, the, the, what they're trying to do is say that Cybermen are the origin of Frankenstein. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Um, it's, just, it's just that I'm kind of just really tired of Frankenstein and Doctor Who going hand in hand. I, I'm done. But but I get it. And then that's... Brandon Morris. Brandon Morris did it better? What? Yeah. You know, I mean, if... But th see, that's because I'm the wrong audience for this. If I'm just somebody who's like, whatever, 25, and... I don't have. I am. I am a fan of this show because it's on iTunes, and I picked it up and I thought it was a little quirky. And I'm not really that interested in going back into the history of Doctor Who. Then I guess this is the first time in the 
BBC Wales series that we've had anything really to do with Frankenstein to speak of. So I might well consider this, you know, interesting enough and original enough, really. But there's that. But I mean, I think it is as a historical, what it is interesting that it's not, it's really about the entirety of the summer of 1816 at Lake Geneva involving these historical figures. And it's not just about the one aspect of history that we're now going to explore and try to find some kind of weird explanation for. Mm. Also, uh, you know, I, I personally didn't, uh, well, I can quite appreciate that if you don't know these character, these historical figures very well, that, you know, this becomes a sort of a jumble or whatever. Um, and, and I can quite appreciate that. But I thought it was relatively easy to figure out who Shelley is because they're looking for him the entire time. Right. And then in a very early scene, they say, you know, we want to have a story told to us by Shelley or this other dude. Right. Right. And, and so like the, the tracking of the people, like just simply associating a name to the person that to me wasn't terribly hard. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit weird. And I guess it's because there's this Cyberman thing coming in the second half that makes the exposition scene like a sentence, right? Yeah. Whereas it could have and maybe should have been just a little bit more like you would have thought Ryan and Yaz for that matter are maybe not, I mean, they don't have degrees from university and literature. So why right. wouldn't, why wouldn't the doctor say, Oh, you, you might miss yeah. this or whatever, you know, Here's who this is. Here's who that is. Here's who the other is. And by the way, nobody well, they knew did, really. They, did they really needed an info dump at the beginning. Well, kind they of. Did, they did or a little bit along the way, or something. But you're right. It is just a sprinkle of these people have something to do with Frankenstein. You know. Okay. Don't mention Frankenstein. They did yeah. it with the gossip about who was with whom and things. Yeah, that's true. That yeah, is that's, very true. That is a very effective scene, actually. But it's sort of. Mm. Go ahead, Ian. I think it's too quick. It's too, I, I feel myself. I can't concentrate on what they're doing and who they're talking about. It mm -hmm. doesn't work for me. It's like mm -hmm. I just I couldn't tell you what they say in there. Really, I mean, apart from the, I mean, I remember watching it again last night, and I still really couldn't tell you. Yeah. Apart from that, Byron's a bit flirty with the doctor, and that yeah. um, that um, what's his name wants the loo. <laughs> all that right. scene is yeah it's, <laughs> it's interesting because it's an example of something you only well in major franchises at least you only get in doctor who and that is it's the opposite of techno babble it's historical babble and right. uh, you do it is the one section of this thing that i think if you don't know anything about this history that you are, are going to have to view it again when you view it again i think you'll be like okay i kind of get it now but still, it goes by really, really quickly. I think it's clever, but I can completely understand if it is just too fast. Um, I, I applaud right. them for trying something different. I really do. Yeah. I also applaud yeah. them. By the way, another thing that is in here that they don't even remark upon, so maybe you don't learn anything from it, but this is, I think, the first example of a reel in Doctor Who. Oh, no, that's... Uh, uh, somewhere before, surely. 
a real type of dancing. Ah. Uh, um, when I was dating, it was quite popular. I don't know. I mean, but it, but it certainly makes sense. That is, you know, this is eighteen sixteen. This is the clockwork a... one. Did they have it in that? The no, not a They had a dancing in the. They had. Well, well, you might. I mean, that is. I I don't. I mean, I don't know. That might be the more did, French. Did they dance in Enlightenment? Oh, I don't know, but it wouldn't have been a real in Enlightenment. No. Because oh, okay. I mean, the real is really like the first half of the 18th century, not even the whole half, but just sort of like till 1840. It's like, like an excuse me dancing, a bit of an excuse me dancing, because right. you move down. You move from... two, it was two rotating circles, isn't it? I think the inside goes clockwise, the outside goes out. So you end up dancing with all the partners at some point, I think. Right. And you go under an archway. Two of them form an archway at the end, and you go under. It's a it's a very long rectangular dance. Such I love that, it. Yeah, it's such that, like President Tyler, so who nobody talks about, uh, in order for was from Virginia, where the real is really quite. It's like musical chairs, but you're dancing while you sort do it. Yeah, but it's very long. It's very elongated, and you you go from one end all the way to the other end when you switch partners, and so you're dancing. It's kind of like gears on a bicycle chain, right? You're going for a little bit with one partner and then you go to the next partner and then you go to the next part and then you go to the next part and then you go all the way back to the beginning again. They certainly did in Pride and Prejudice if you ever watched that. Yeah, 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 sort of like that, yeah. But it was just interesting to me that there is even a little bit of movement history in the thing. And, you know, there's some lovely little, there are lovely comedic touches like you know, the doctor finding that very elaborate, whatever, Prussian almost hat that she finds. And she like gloms onto that kind of like it, uh, with the distant memory of Matt Smith about her, you know, and how he liked weird hats. Um, and, and then, you know, the very predictable, but still because I like young Frankenstein and because it must be a nod to young Frankenstein, not Frankenstein proper, uh, that, that, uh, you know, it starts out real gloomy, right, in the, in the pre-titles, and then it ends on all four of them. You know, they open the door, and there's all four of them, and they all jerk backwards like they're as surprised as the people who have opened the door. Right. I love that. And then the, and then the whole, the whole thing of Graham after that, like trying to put on the, the weird, very, you know, old oh, variant of English and how he's he like, starts oh. with Pride, He starts with the, uh, the opening line of uh, Pride and Prejudice. It is a, a well-known fact that right, right, right. To a need, in need, any good somebody is in need of a an right, right. In, in exactly. It, it is a blend of like, you know, it's a pastiche on that aspect of Frank Bridges. But then it's also, you know, a general knock on a, a Doctor Who convention that makes no sense, which is that the Doctor always parks really far away from whatever she's trying to get to. Just funny, it made me laugh. Um, but there are a lot, there are a lot of lovely little lines throughout this thing. Um, it's an, for dialogue. I think it is an extremely well written episode, and especially for I think this is a first time writer. I'm pretty sure, unless I've missed something somewhere. Um, the interior but, of the house, by the way, was the Pete's uh, World one. I think where um, um, where um, your your friend Ian, the you know. Uh, 
mother, um, the uh, actress, uh, you know, Rosie's mother, Rosie's dad's mother. Yeah, Fedora, that's the one, yeah. Um, th that's the house that they own in the world where he's been a successful businessman. Mm. Oh, oh, really? It's the same house? Yeah. Yeah. It's, if you if you look at the 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 staircase when when Jackie comes out and addresses the party, she's at the top. She's at that the middle landing, the the landing in the middle, um, and it's also it's also the same front uh, entryway that's used in the uh, the oh the Matt Smith uh, the last two the ponds. To part of the the angels in New York or whatever. Angels take Manhattan. Angels take Manhattan. Were they the guy uh, who was tracking the angels? He had the the angels in the basement, the little baby ones. Uh, oh, that's right. Same yeah. same same house. Oh, right. Yeah, it's it's been used a lot, and it's I, I think it's great. You get got used quite well in this. Yeah, so I, I, I do like that about Doctor Who. It's just like, I, I don't think the average viewer uh, will, will notice this half the time. Um, but it's a neat thing, I think, for, for the eagle-eyed Doctor Who fan to go, oh, yep, seen that one before, seen that one before. Because that's what we like to do. Sorry, one more little thing on the yeah, um, sure. historical tie-in. Isn't the child... The girl the, that's in, or the either the either the girl that's in the uh, Ada Lovelace talking about right, uh, right, right, Ada Lovelace, right. That, so that was a boy child there, but I think uh, she she just mentioned to Lord Byron yeah. that she, you know she knows Ada and she said she's got a brilliant mind. I think it was in one of the clips. Right, right, right. But I think the the baby in this one was they had a child that actually died, and that's what the reference the Cybermen made of not being able to convert the child of being useless and sickly. Because uh, I guess their child died at like age three or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so that was what they're... I, I, I don't actually know because I didn't look it up, but I had seen that as somebody on Facebook had said that that was what that reference was. That's why the Cybermen I, didn't bother with the baby because he knew it was going to die anyway. But it looked scary, didn't it, when it was hovering over the baby's cot? I mean, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, there's some really good stuff in this, but just, just overall, it just. Eh. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to play the number, clip number nine, and then we'll have our last number nine? Number nine. Number nine. What did you do to Shelley? Full-time law trick, not a nice one. Pushed his mind to his future death. Tricked the Siberian into letting go. Hoped his body would survive the trauma. I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. Save Shelley, but what does that mean for the future? It means I've put it in the gravest danger. Please tell me that was part of the plan. Yes, a last minute, imperfect, all I got plan. Saving Shelley was step one. Well, step two, fix the mess I created in step one. And that, that, oh. Go to the future, find him, and stop him from rebuilding the cyber army. Shelley, can you give Yas those symbols and numbers? We're going to need them. There you go. Yeah. And that links it in. That it is, it's, it's a preliminary to the double pass, isn't it? Without doubt. So, 
okay, follow me here. What if he says we need to go to the future? It's like, which future? Like the future from that point? Yes. What if the Cybermen ended up where what's his name is and gave him the silver computer thing? And that's where they start building the Cyber Army. <gasps> Again, I haven't seen the show this week, folks. Don't throw stuff at me. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, it's not clear, is it, whether this is no. a, a, a rebuilding of a defeated Cyber Army or right. the actual creation of a, a force that we've already seen in action. Yeah, I'm it's, uh... it's, it's, it, it's um because of that Siberium and that being a rather new twist on things, I'm assuming it's a way of them coming back from almost complete desolation. And right. um, I, I think I think we've about covered it. Um, of course, um, we'll have an even more difficult task next week because um, uh, this has been episode uh, three six three. Uh, next week, three six four. That will be Sunday, the first of March. Ascension of the Cybermen. A uh, Cybermen, I think it is not Cyberman. Um, but that will be, you know, now is definitely part one of a two-part story. So we may right. be even more difficulty next week. Of course. Sorry, if you were trying to say something before Dave so rudely interrupted um, uh, our uh, our resident Hawaiian. Uh, I don't know. I think I forgot now, so that's fine. Oh, sorry. Apologize, Dave. I said, said sorry, yeah. But you did sound like you meant it, though. But anyway. So yes, so uh, now as uh, uh, Dave and Darth and uh, I head off to go and find out what happened this week, um, you can of course catch us next week, and you can also join us on the Cult and Collective podcast on TalkShoe.com. And the call ID, Dave, is oh well, we're on TalkShoe it's five four eight two one. But if you want to join us on, say, Facebook. Don't forget, um, you do have to be approved. Yes, we we we're very selective. Uh, uh, you, uh, Ian, will set you a couple of questions. We'd like genuine Doctor Who fans to join us on Facebook there. But it's uh, talk to you. Call ID five four eight two one. Of course, you can find us on many uh, podcast directories, including iTunes. Yep. So you can listen anywhere, and you can also join us too. Uh, we go out live at uh, two p.m. And, uh, yeah, every Sunday while Doctor Who's on, and then we will go back to our monthly. So, yeah, if you want to come listen live or uh, or join in, feel free to do so. Um, yes, I wanted to thank Darth for, for, for showing up and uh, and broadening our uh, expertise on all things Who. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, so there's nothing more to do and nothing more to say. So uh, until next time, it's goodbye. By Mr. Dave AC. Let's go by from here, the sixth doctor. Goodbye, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.